Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Hi, and welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. I'm your guest host, Carol Eddy, in the Denver area. And I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Kate Huffnagel. Kate Huffnagel is the founder and CEO of the Digital Wrangler. As an estate and legacy organizer, speaker, educator, and coach, she helps inspire individuals to do the important work that nobody likes to talk about. After a mind-blowing 25-year career in the big tech, Kate founded her business to put all her know-how and life experiences to work to make things easier for those left behind when the inevitable or unexpected happens. Kate loves educating people on how our modern-day world is a complexity multiplier when it comes to this traditionally taboo topic. She's also a bonus mom of two adult children and is passionate about financial literacy, and she's also on a lifelong quest to find the best donut in the world. So with that, Hi, Kate, and welcome. Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak with you today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Me too. So can you start out by telling our listeners a little bit about your background and how you decided to become an estate organizer? Okay, this is a loaded question. (laughs) So I have a couple of degrees in engineering, and I got my first adult job as an engineer in the late 90s, 1998 specifically. And one of the first things that I did was I went to my local library at the time, Redondo Beach Library, and I took out this book by Susie Orman called You've Earned It, Don't Lose It. I have always been obsessed about protecting my financial legacy. And then when it comes to my own legacy, I created my first will in my late 20s. I was probably a little bit ahead of most people, but based on what I now know, as I'm a few months away from my 50th birthday, I actually should have created my first will a lot sooner. And since I created it, I've now updated it three times. I'm a little bit of an overachiever, right? (laughs) Most people update their estate plans about once a decade. And as you mentioned, Carol, I worked in big tech for 25 years. Most of that time was working in the intelligence community. And I was always informally helping colleagues and friends with estate-related stuff. And then given the line of work that I was in, we always It was top of mind to have a contingency plan, to have backup plans in place, because we all knew that we may not show up to work the next day. On a personal note, I've actually had two medical emergencies of my own, one of which required a trip to the ER in an ambulance. And I've had my own life-changing diagnosis and I had a very complicated surgery about five years ago. So you combine all of that into that mixing bowl. (laughs) About two years ago, I decided to go all in and leave the corporate world and high-tech world behind and put all of my life experiences and all my technical knowledge to work in creating this business, the Digital Wrangler. Yeah, and I think it's so important. And and in my industry also, we have checklists and all those things that people do. And I think the thing that happens most often is that people don't want to talk about it 
because it's too far out or they don't think it's going to happen to them. But in my experience, the, the unexpected happens. And if we're not ready, it can really put stress on our loved ones to try to figure it all out. Um, Tremendously. Absolutely. Yeah. So that kind of leads into my next question. Can you tell us why it's important for individual individuals of any age to be prepared for the unexpected or the inevitable? Yeah. <laughs> but so... I think it comes into play more often as unexpected definitely unexpected, right? The inevitable, right? My parents are in their uh, early 80s, right? They're updating their estate documents now, but more so the unexpected. So I'd like to talk about three different roles that we might have in our lives, right? Let me talk about my bonus kids, right? They're now 20 and 24. But when they both turned 18, right, their parents ran into even issues with related to HIPAA and their medical information, right? We, they now both are going to undergraduate and postgraduate school out of state. And we have put together legal documents for them. Heaven forbid something happens to one of them in another state. We don't want to have to get an emergency court hearing to make medical decisions on their behalf. Right. And while they may not have a, a lot of wealth associated with them, a couple of them or both of them do have some some loans and credit cards. Right. We want to make sure that debt is not uh, passed on to the family members. At least let's try and minimize that. Newly married individuals. Right. What I have been learning is just because you're married doesn't mean that things happen automatically and you're given right. permission. Right. If you're newly married, you want to also consider putting an estate plan in place. And then the last category of people is new parents. You have a newborn or you have school age kids and you don't have an estate plan in place. Then I guess I just want to ask that question of you. Do you really want a court making a decision as to who will then be of watching your kids or caring for your kids, even if you're in the hospital just for two weeks. So those are three different examples, I think, that wherever you are in um, your stage of life, that you do want to think about that unexpected scenario. And I also think it makes you very unique to the world of organizing, because I don't think there's really the estate side of organizing. There are people out there and there are products out there that help you organize the state. But I think it's, there's a lot more to it, though. There's a lot of intricacies that people don't think about that can happen. For example, I asked my clients, if something were to happen to your spouse, can you get on their phone? And if they can't, that in itself, they can't contact the people they need to contact or get what they need to get. So that kind of leads into my next question is how can technology play a role in organizing our important details? And can you specifically talk about privacy policies working both for and against us? Oh, that's a great question, Carol. Okay, so you were just talking about cell phones, right? And I know listeners can't see me, but I'm holding up my cell phone right here. So our devices are an actual physical, tangible thing, right? And depending on how much they cost, you may choose to actually put them in your estate documents because they are a physical, valuable asset. But as you just alluded to, we use these devices, whether it's our phone or a laptop or a tablet or even a wearable, Mm -hmm. to communicate. And basically, our lives are run on tech. So having, ensuring that a loved one can access your devices is like really important. Now, I've had a couple of clients this past year who actually came to me after they had a loved one pass 
And one, they have told me that the first mistake that they made was they turned off their parents or their spouse's cell phone because they didn't want to pay the bill. Now, that's like logical, sound reasoning. And used to make sense in the old days. Yes. But nowadays, not so much because like you said, they couldn't get to their contacts or they couldn't get into their loved one's email account or whatever. So what I love about technology is that while it has the potential to make things more complicated for our loved ones. If something were to happen to us, it actually provides us also with a lot of opportunity so that we can use it to organize all of our important life details so that you can access, or more importantly, my husband or my adult kids can access that information wherever they are, right? So there is no threat of saying, losing my papers in a house fire or a hurricane, right? Because we've got this thing called the cloud. I can have all of my details organized and and I can access it wherever I am, or my loved ones can access it wherever they are. In our modern world, not many of us, or I should say, we are receiving fewer and fewer paper bills in the mail than we used to, right? And so five, even five years ago, we would get, if we didn't leave all of this information behind for our loved ones, you knew within 30 days, there would be something showing up in the mailbox, right? But if we think about all of our streaming services, they're not sending us bills in the mail. Amazon or Walmart isn't sending us a statement in the mail of here's everything that you bought, or here's everything that you have scheduled to be shipped to, to be delivered to your home in the coming days and weeks, right? So technology can be leveraged in such a way where not only can we use it to organize all that information for our loved ones, but my bonus daughter a couple of months ago, she had a credit card that was compromised. And she just thought that every retailer, <laughs> let's say, that she has the credit card stored in would just automatically update that information. And I remember her calling me up in September and saying, Kate, what do you mean I have to do all of this? I don't even know. I don't even know what I have and who has what. And I just said to her, I said, sweetie, I said, this is actually a benefit of having your important life details organized because when this situation happens, you know exactly what you need to do and who you need to contact to update that credit card information. Yeah. And, uh, for me, even when I have a credit card canceled for something like that, in order it gets compromised, I found that like a yearly subscription comes in that I forgot about. And that's where you're like, oh, cool. And then you get all these notices. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, exactly. I, didn't, I forgot to update that one. So you have to update. There's always something. Right. Now you had asked about the privacy policies. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to break my answer up into two because I really want to devote a little energy to this one. So when we create Oops. an online account, Let's just talk about Facebook, right? Because Facebook is the number one used social media platform out there, right? We are presented with their terms of service and their privacy policy, Mm -hmm. right? And we typically have to check that box that says, yes, I've read them and I agree. And therefore, now we are permitted to create our accounts. But so few people actually read those documents. Now, 
I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. I had broken up with it for a few years, but then I got back on when I created my business because I knew from a business perspective I needed to be on Facebook. But here's what the Facebook Terms of Service Agreement says. It basically says, Kate, we are going to protect your data. We're going to protect your account. And whatever you post, you can trust us that we are not going to let anyone have access to that information without your consent. Now, in theory, this sounds fantastic, right? And when I'm alive and I'm posting on Facebook, it's really easy, right? I can post and and have my Facebook friends see that post, right? I could post a potentially inappropriate meme and just have my three girlfriends from college see that post, right? Mm -hmm. Or if I don't care as much about my privacy, I can post on Facebook such that anyone on Facebook can see what I posted, right? So when we were alive, this is terrific. Facebook has put us in charge. If we become incapacitated or when we pass away, because it's a guarantee that we are going to pass away, right? We are still in charge of telling Facebook who we want to have access to our account. Now, Facebook has a feature called the legacy contact feature. And you can go in there and you can tell Facebook, this is the person who I am authorizing to have access to my account. And it's great. But what I'm learning is that so few people know about this feature, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you don't designate a legacy contact for your Facebook account and something does happen to you, you're going to have a lengthy court battle, or I should say your loved ones are going to have a lengthy court battle, an expensive court battle. And more than likely, the courts are going to side with Facebook because Facebook's terms of service agreement and their privacy policy is very robust. Yes. Right. And so if you take that one account, but then you start thinking about all of the other accounts that you have in your life, whether it's LinkedIn, most of us professionals are on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has a very different policy. The only way that they will give someone access to your account is literally through a court order. They will not accept a will. They will only accept a court order. And that is after you've already provided a death certificate for the individual. And Carol, I don't know about you, but I don't even pay for the premium plan for LinkedIn. And so just to know that my husband or my executor is going to have to go through all of these hoops. Yeah. For one digital account, it really makes me a little angry. (laughs) Um, I agreed. And I did know LinkedIn had a different policy, but I didn't realize you had to fight that hard to get in there. But yeah, that's not okay. But that's another topic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that there's different, or or the other example would be the iPhone is also people at least have heard about that because they've heard about people not being able to get access. If you're not a legacy content and you can't get in there to begin with, you're not going to be able to get in there. Correct. And I have heard horrifying stories of parents, but actually I know of a case of a U.S. Marshal in his thirties who was in a fatal car accident on his way to work. And he had two young kids at home and he was on the floor that morning taking videos and photos with the two little kids. And his wife did not have access to his phone 
didn't know the password. Mm. And Apple was like, oh yeah, I know you're a spouse, but he didn't tell us, he didn't designate you as your legacy contact. So it goes back to that comment I made about just because you're married, right? especially mm. in the world of tech, these privacy policies are creating a barrier for spouses in particular. So I'm just trying to educate people and try and make things a little bit easier and a little bit lighter for their loved ones, because they're already going to be going through a challenging time. And no, we don't like to talk about end of life, but I tease my husband and he teases me. Like he's probably going to be in a, under his blanket fort for a few weeks. <laughs> right. But he also, at least at, at this point in time is still has a full-time job and he's going to have to balance that. He's going to have to take over household operations. And I don't want to give this other burden of figuring out all of this digital stuff on top of that, I want to give him as much space and freedom as possible so that he can navigate my law, the loss of me on his own timeline. Yeah. And I think that's so critical. And in, in my financial world, I, we do a checklist for our clients that, and it's framed in, this is what you have to do in the first seven days and that's it. And it's not very much, honestly, so that they know that okay, this is all I really need to do is get the death certificate. Honestly, that's the biggest thing on the list. And then you can grieve because that's the reality. Nobody wants to figure out what they have to do after it happens. And the more we put in place before it happens, the easier it is for them to take step by step and still be able to grieve and get through the other process, which to me is so much more important. And have people like you and I in place that can walk them through that if they get stuck or how do you do that? And it also leads into my next question. We're doing really well. (laughs) Are there any tools and services available that can help us organize all these things from your perspective? Yes, actually, there's quite a few out there. And I know even just looking at my 80-year-old parents right there, they do a decent job with technology, but their comfort zone is more paper. So Mm -hmm. there is a company based in the Denver area actually called Knockbox. And it is Mm -hmm. like a a box with like dividers and it gives guides you through of, okay, here's where you store all your important documents. On the other end of the spectrum, you have relatively new tech companies out there like Everplans, Trustworthy, and Clocker are just three, but there are several out there. These tools or apps kind of work like TurboTax where mm-hmm. they'll give you a question, okay, Kate, how many are in your household? And they may then ask for my birthday. They may prompt me to upload a photo of my driver's license and my passport, my social security card. And they're going to guide me through every area of my life. And honestly, I think these tools are really cool, but my clients have come to me because they're not comfortable with trusting these companies to protect all of that data. Because if you think about it, they're going to have literally every piece of information about you. Now, these companies are about two or three years old. Maybe they will persevere for 10, 20 years down the road. But at this point, we were talking about this before we started hitting hitting, you hit the record button. There are tech tools popping up left and right. And just as many as pop up, some are falling off as well. And also those services come with either a monthly or an annual subscription. And a lot, and my clients are just like, I want to do it myself. And I don't want another bill because I already have 
insert your number, right? 24 monthly bills. I don't want another one. But yes, there are yeah, plenty I think of that's options. The dilemma is whether to store it on one of these companies that may not be here in 20 years, because often you're doing this 20 years ahead. Um, and the other piece of or do I just put it in a, a secure cloud document that everybody can access that's mine? It's not a company's. Correct. Absolutely. And so that's where I work with people to help them or I help meet them where they are and what makes sense for them. Do they want to store a, a file on their computer? Do they want to store a file in the cloud where then they can have family members in other states potentially have access to that. Yeah. So I, I love just working with individuals and finding out what is going to be best suited for them. And my recent retirees who I've been working with, so they're early mid sixties, right? They're comfortable enough with technology, but what I'm hearing from them is I actually really do want to make it easy for my loved ones and they know tech. So teach me the tech because I want to use a, a technology to make this easier for them. Yeah. So I think both of us bump into the situation we've talked about, touched on it on this conversation is that people are afraid to start talking about that. So how do you approach your, lo your loved ones if you're wanting to start a conversation about getting your digital organized, digital stuff organized digitally? <laughs> yeah. So when I left the, the so-called corporate world, right? I was responsible for millions and millions of dollars. Over a hundred people were working for me at my peak. I didn't get to that point in my career by shying away from these difficult um, conversations. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say this, it is certainly a lot easier to talk about missing a deadline or going over budget than <laughs> talking about end of life planning. My first tip is just to be very mindful of who you're speaking too, right? I have found in particular, the older generation, they don't like to lean into this topic. They, unfortunately, at least in my experience, they, they almost have to be dragged into it, but you can't drag them into it. You have to have some sort of external situation that kind of makes them see that, oh yeah, I need to give this some thought. So just be mindful of who you're speaking to, what their experiences might be or might they may not have any. Right? The second tip that I have is just try and be a role model. So my approach has always been I lean into the topic and share what I have done mm -hmm. and try and model that behavior and create that safe space in, in hopes that the individual I'm talking to then is either going to ask me a question or is going to then say, wow, you created your first will at 29. I can't believe I waited until I was 37 or I still haven't created one mm -hmm. yet. And so I just want to encourage people to be that role model. And then thirdly, just take some baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've seen this with my parents, my father, a year and a half ago had a medical emergency, wound up being apart from my mother for almost a month. And they've been married 55 years. They've never it was a hot mess, quite frankly. Yeah. But only now, almost a year and a half later, have they finally started to take action and updating their estate plan that they created 30 years ago. Yeah. So you need to be mindful. You need to be patient. But if you can create that safe space where you lead by example, in my experience, you have a higher chance of moving that ball forward. Yeah, absolutely. So that, so when you're working with clients and helping them organize their estates, how do you 
do that and create a smoother transition to the next generation so that they're ready, as ready as they can be. Yeah. So I do a lot of speaking and mm-hmm. I facilitate workshops around the country, right? Whether I'm speaking to financial advisors like mm-hmm. yourself or small business owners, right? I have a huge passion for educating individuals. But at the same time, when it comes to my actual work, it is really important for me to make my work as accessible as possible. Especially, Carol, you hit the nail on the head. There are not many of us in the U.S. working in this field. So I have three different ways that people can work with me. I offer a digital course Mm-hmm. So people can organize their important life details at home in their pajamas if they want to. I offer a 12-week program that I start uh, a kickoff about every two or three weeks. And once a week, we tackle one area. And then for those individuals who really just want something like highly personalized, I work with people one-on-one. Well, that's great. It's such an important role. And I think a lot of people, just if you guide them a little bit at a time can do an awful lot of get a lot a lot done because I know for even for me and I'm a finance it's like the painter who doesn't paint his house there's stuff that doesn't get done and if somebody held me accountable if somebody held me accountable each week then I could organize my own stuff and get it all done because I have there are definitely gaps in what I haven't gotten done and then there, there there's just so much right the auto ship deliveries let's face it like I my my very complicated surgery I had five years ago was a hysterectomy. And I, every 90 days, get a shipment of estrogen to the house, right? My husband's not going to need that. But you know what? <laughs> if he doesn't turn that off, if he doesn't know how to turn that off, right? Not only is it going to show up on the doorstep, but he, more specifically, my estate is going to wind up paying for that. Yeah. I don't pay late fees and interest charges when I'm alive. So my husband knows that I'm going to haunt him (laughs) if any of that happens after I pass. (laughs) Perfect reason to get it done. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So is there anything we haven't talked about that you would like our listeners to know? I think knowing that you are a financial planner, I think it's just important to stress that even if you have the password, say, to a loved one's checking account, does not mean that you have the authority to access that account after they pass away. The financial Mm -hmm. accounts, right? There are some very strict guidelines and rules as to what happens there, but your Hulu, your Amazon, your hotel points, right? That's where the law gets to be a bit gray. Just keep that in mind. If a loved one passes away and you do have their password to their, say, their checking account and you make a transfer, that would actually be considered theft and there could be some severe penalties with that. Yeah, I think people think, oh, I can just go to the bank and do the stuff because I'm the wife and I it's our money. And in reality, you do need to put through that death certificate if it's not a joint account, obviously. There are situations where it, whether they actually follow through with that depends on the situation, but it could become an issue and you don't want to cross those lines. You want to use the paperwork to get you where you need to go. Correct. Absolutely. How can listeners contact you if they weren't interested? The best way to find me is on my website, which is the digital wrangler.com. And that's Wrangler with a W. I am giving a, a 
hat tip there to the Colorado lifestyle. <laughs> and from there, you can find links to my social channels or whatever social channel you are on. And also there's a link to my calendar and you, your listeners are more than welcome to schedule a 20 minute free call with me at any point if they've got some questions. Great. Thank you so much, Kate, for your wise word and your wise words. There's my, <laughs> and your great advice. I think it's so needed in this time and space of digital media, not media, but the digital world. And with that, for all our listeners, this is the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Carol Eddy. And our guest today has been Kate Huffnagel. For more, in- more information about Kate and the Digital Wrangler, please visit www.thedigitalwrangler.com. And Kate, thanks again. Thank you, Carol. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.